Welcome to Earth Angels Rise Foundation's podcast, We Rise Together. I'm Patricia Amokwi. This podcast is designed to inspire you by showcasing the stories of grassroots change agents who are dedicated to bringing positive change to their communities. We call these change agents Earth Angels. What drives and motivates these Earth Angels? How did they get started with their work? And what keeps them going, even in the midst of intense challenges? We hope that as you listen to these dedicated change agents tell their stories, that you will be moved to step forward in an inspired way to grow your part in helping create changes in your community. I am so excited to be here with Akari Akron, a remarkable earth angel. Welcome, Akari. Could we start by having you share a little bit about your work as an earth angel? Okay, so yeah, guys, my name is Akari Akron again. Um, and then of course I am that unapologetic humanitarian. I'm not excused. I mean, I, I really like to be called, I call myself the unapologetic humanitarian. That means I'm not sorry for everything I do concerning humanity and mm. saving lives and, you know, giving people the opportunity to have another chance at life. I run a nonprofit organization slash I'm also a teacher, like an educator. So, but full-time nonprofit and um, organization started nine years ago, registered um, um, actively, probably I would say um, 10 years or 11 years, but registered nine years. So I'd say nine years by the books, um, basically to alleviate the sufferings of the less privileged and um, carry out interventions that would enhance their integrity. So I'm a big fan of inclusion, all things inclusion. Now, not just persons living with special needs, but persons who do not have, you know, some form of equal access to what we have. Mm. you know, to basic amenities um, concerning life in general. So I'm big advocate, I'm big on advocating for inclusion for persons from vulnerable backgrounds. So I'm big on inclusion. Uh, my foundation assists, I would say, from newborn to advanced age to old age, um, also special needs advocacy. So I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, that's one part. Um, of my project that I'm passionate about, basically because of my background with um, living with relations or yeah, family members who have one special need or the other. And then realizing that, look, they were the ones or persons living with disabilities are the ones who need more attention because I mean, they really do not get what we get. There's just the general stereotype and ignorance about how they should be included into the society. So that's basically what I do. Wow, very powerful um, and exciting to hear the vision that you have, um, your willingness uh, to do something, to see needs and then take action to meet it. Um, first of all, I just want to know a little bit more about unapologetic humanitarian like I've heard people call themselves humanitarians <laughs> but like where did this unapologetic piece of it come from and um, so in the course of my work Bama Trish it, it's just been funny hearing the perceptions of others I mean you know there is usually this um 
laid down rules, like ground rules on how people should do things, especially when you want to help people. And then, of course, in this non-profit world that we are in, people expect that, you know, organizations should be run in some kind of way to achieve some kind of result. But like, like I said, I'm unapologetic, number one. Number two, I usually do not do things in, in the way that they claim that it should be done. That means in the norm. I don't think that there's anything like normal. Okay, because I usually say normal is boring. Normal, normal is based on your standard. Normal is based on my standard. So I have a big banner on my wall in my center, which I'm going to talk about very soon, where I say normal, who needs to be normal? Normal is boring. So normal is what I think it is. Normal is what you think it is based on our perceptions. So when I decide, um, decided to go into full-time humanitarian work, first of all, it was a divine calling that I struggled with God for a long time to say no. I can't be so industrious and you know intelligent and decide to put everything aside and then just serve humanity. But when when God calls you, I mean He calls you. I, I, it got to a point where I, I was no longer able to hide. So I do the things that I do, and I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry because a lot of people thought that I should not work with Muslims. Okay, so I have a project where it's in the Muslim community, and I hear quite a number of people say, "Oh, you don't have to work with them. Oh, you don't you don't need to go near them. Oh." Instead of helping the Muslims, you should help Christians. Or instead of helping people who are my religion, I mean, I'm a Catholic, don't, don't do anything outside them. I'm like, no. I mean, both religions preach love. And I'm sure that even the traditional religion also preaches, I mean, emphasizes that you care for the next person. So, and then when I decided to start my special needs school, now an inclusive center, people say, oh, no, you should, you should make money from it because disability management space is some form of money-making you know, venture where they tell you it's not cheap to take care of persons with special needs. And so you should be cashing in. And I'm like, look, if I'm working with the vulnerable people, if I'm working with the underserved and the less privileged, how do you expect me to begin to task them just to give their already um, disabled children access to what we have? It's enough that they're already dealing with the fact that some things will never change in their life. And so if I've been called to do this, then I'm going to do it 100%. You know, oh, you know, Nigerians are in the habit of abusing free access to free things. So they're not going to really appreciate what you do, you know, for ensuring that you provide access to free therapy, free education for regular children. Well, so be it. You know, even if they're not appreciating, God knows and sees all. But I'm sure that somehow we're alleviating their suffering, especially the mothers who are usually at the forefront of bearing it all, okay? So it's either she walked out at night when she was not supposed to walk out when she was pregnant, or she disobeyed somebody, or she probably cheated on her husband, or she did something wrong while she was pregnant. And that's why they had the child with special needs. And so she's the one who bears it all. And I mean, the bulk of the women that I work with who are mothers to these children that I cater to, even the neurotypical children are the ones who do everything. So having a place where they can put their children because it's a day center and they can now go out and hustle for themselves, bring some form of, you know, fulfillment. It also, for those who are still married, it also gives, provides some form of, you know, peace in the home. That means she can now also contribute hmm. to the running of the home because she can go out. So I'm not sorry, Mama Trish. I'm not sorry that <laughs> the humanity I'm not sorry that I'm alleviating the problems of people. I'm not sorry that I'm 
that I'm not doing things the way people want them to do. I'm totally unapologetic to serving humanity. So I'm not sorry. I'm unapologetic. I'm, I'm doing it, you know, and I'm, I'm only concerned about the impact. Mm -hmm. I'm not concerned about recognition. Mm -hmm. I'm not concerned about acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. So I'm, on, I'm totally, entirely unapologetic to the humanitarian work that I do. So I call myself the unapologetic humanitarian. Wow, that is uh, so inspiring. Um, what I hear is that you are not concerned about the way things are in the sense of you're going to pave the path that's needed to bring about the solution <laughs> and nobody's going to tell you, uh, you know, to stop or to do it a certain way that you're really looking for the best solution um, and really following the calling that you have kind of without limiting beliefs, maybe just breaking down limiting beliefs, limiting ideas and serving in your own way. I, I love the name unapologetic humanitarian. Um, and I am in awe of your mindset, uh, your fearlessness, your courage. So you, you just mentioned um, a few minutes ago, you were talking about how you kind of struggled a little bit with getting started or jumping all the way in. So I would love to know, like, you know, what really did get you started with this work when, when you jumped into this? Um, when I started, uh, I guess, of course, I was working when, when the vision came and I wasn't doing it full time, but I had already started before my mom died. Okay, so that's why the foundation is in her name. She was mm. kind of, I mean, the foundation was registered in her name to immortalize her memory. So every time the foundation's name is mentioned, Mama's alive. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so it reminds me about her and then her good works. But then, I mean, I realized that, you know, more could have been done with more of my time and more of my energy. I have plenty of energy, trust me, Mama. I don't get tired. <laughs> and I felt like, so it was, I mean, I had, I had a vision, right? It was basically for outreaches, collect use items, and then redistribute every, every three months. So it was every quarter. But the, the urge came to say, you're an educator, right? There are schools around the area. So I just, I just completed my master's. And my, and my dad is like, okay, you know what? Take this property and then start a school. But it wasn't just a school that that God directs, because I mean, I listen to him. I'm not, I'm not so religious here, but I have this relationship with God that we connect, like we, we connect. I, I'm cooking, I'm, I'm singing songs, and then it just comes that, okay, this is, like I'm having a conversation with him right in front of me, you know, with the spirit of God. And so it's like, you, you have to start a school and done a regular school. It has to be for special needs children. So it took a while to let my dad know what I really wanted to do because I was scared. Like this man has given you property to start a school to begin to make money for yourself, and then you're coming up with special needs. It took a while, but I guess that because it was a direction from God, He softened my dad's heart to accept, you know, the decision and then support me, Mama. When I started, I mean, seeing the children from this background who were formerly locked up in their houses, had never been to schools because they started like a special needs center first of all. And it was just basically respite, just come, mothers drop them and then they go and hustle. Then we got therapists for free for them. We were paying, we still pay for the therapist. But the fact that the children were beginning to, to somehow model proper behavior, even if it was not entirely, the fact that the mothers were happy 
the fact that I mean the children being in an environment that they never thought they would be, my center is very fine. You know, mm. imagine where children are coming from, and then in an environment where the air condition is on for the I mean they're watching cable TV and all of it. It was something different. And every time I I, I went there and just saw the children, there was just inner peace mm. that I got and fulfillment, like. You're actually doing something right. You know? You're actually, you know, putting smiles on the faces of these people. And guess what? They can't even pay you back. Mm. The most they can get from you is, I mean, you can get from them is thank you. And that was, I think that was just basically, sometimes I didn't even need to thank you, but the fulfillment that you can actually assist these vulnerable ones, these ones who, I mean, they don't walk, they don't talk. Most of them have never been to school and they can come into the center and play with toys, you know, sit, sit and watch TV. At some point, the parents are there stretching the pickup time. So I knew that, you know, this is, I mean, if I was getting so much satisfaction from this and fulfillment, I never get that. I mean, I had to travel all the way from Yaba to Satellite every day. And then sometimes I didn't drive. I would go with a bike sometimes. Just, just, and when I get there, you know, it's just this happiness all over, like, this is what you really called for. Even when I get to the destitute home where we have the other project, the place is filthy, but you enter there and you see these innocent children run to you and hug you. Mm. There's no problem I have in this world that doesn't end when I get there. When I get there, I'm numb. I'm, I'm literally out of my reality. Like, I'm soaked in it. This is, there's this happiness that I get. So it pushes me to do more. It pushes me to do more. And I hope to share what I'm up to next with you, Mama, as soon as oh, possible. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm going to definitely ask about that. But I just, when I'm listening to you, the energy that's in your voice and the, you know, I get a chance to see you, we're on video here, but to see the smile, it's like you're exuding um, a sense of being your best self and showing up in the world the way that you were called to show up. And there's no other feeling that's like that, is there? It's amazing. Beautiful. So, okay. So you, you told me the next question to ask, I guess, is like, what is it that you want to share with us? What, what are you up to? Tell us the good stuff, right? We want to know, we want to be on the cutting edge with you. Yeah. So, um, like I said, uh, I think that I just always want to do more. I'm literally always looking for ways to serve more. I'm looking for ways to see how. So the thing is, and all of it, but I usually say that, that you know, the government is an octopus, so they have their hands in too many pies. But what are we as humans doing, you know, Cushion whatever it is that is felt in our community. So I'm big on community give back. So I feel like, yeah, so what else? And then I've always had this nudge to set up maybe an old people's home hmm. and an orphanage and where they would be in the same space, like in, around themselves so that, you know, there would be maybe one hour or for the five minutes, um, time in a day where the people from the orphanage, the children can go and spend some time with the old people. I think that it would help them thrive because, you mm. know, help them stay, help them grow, help them relieve their past, you know, and then, you yeah. know, with the noise of children around just keeps them going, would have story time, would have, you know, where, you know, I mean, there's maybe an old person mentoring, but of course, on the strict guidance. But then 
it came again as a vision to say that you need to, if, if it's education, you need to put up something for these vulnerable children in Badagri. So we were gifted some property in Badagri and we're looking forward to um, setting up a bigger, you know, free school, hmm. inclusive school, just like what we have in Satellite Town, where we would have um, sheds for vocational skill acquisition. Hmm. So it would literally be for neurotypical, neurodiverse, displaced, gender, you know, all forms of persons would be included in that center. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I'm, I'm brainstorming already on how uh -huh. to kickstart the project and, and hoping, fingers crossed, that before the end of the year, we have something solid on ground. I mean, I'm going to hit the ground running because as soon as I get, I, I don't want to sleep on this. I'm so excited about it. And, and the vision came like, okay, so you know that Badagri was the first, it was the hub of education in Nigeria when, when the Europeans came. But what is the state of education there now? Mm. And what can you do? So, and the thing is, okay, so my family, my husband's family is from Badagri. So it's like, it's like going home. Okay, so, wow. I mean, if I can't go to Edo States, but I, like I always say, I mean, it's just motivating people to give back to their community. And we don't have to wait. We literally don't have to wait for anyone. Yes, yeah. there are rules, there are policies, there are principles, but what, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do to give back? And that's what I do mostly with most of the youths that I work with. Because I, I think that if they start early, then the change can start early as well. I mean, we can begin mm. to reorientate their mindsets from, oh, it's, it's not my business to it is our business mm. because it would get better for everybody, you know? And, and then, you know, there's really no competition. We're not breathing with every, we're not, I mean, we don't have to really struggle for oxygen, yeah? We're, we're, we're breathing freely. So there's no harm in, oh, mama, the light has gone off. There's no harm. That's okay. Just keep talking. Yeah, so there's no harm in, um, in literally assisting the underserved around us. I mean, it's, not, it's, not, it's literally not going to cost us anything in assisting the underserved, I, I mean, around us. So mm -hmm. I, I, I enjoy it and try to, like I say, ensure that the next generation is not left behind yeah. and catch them young early enough. I catch them young early, early, early enough. So that's where I am and that's where we're headed. Yeah, Hopefully. well, it's, it's exciting to hear where you're headed and it's exciting for me. I've observed your journey for a while to see you expanding, um, always on the cutting edge, ready to do the next thing. And, you know, your philosophy of let's go there, let's do this, let's see what's possible. Um, it's very inspiring for me to watch um, as a fellow earth angel. So I can imagine that as you've gone on this journey, as you are in this journey, that you face challenges. Um, I would be curious to know, you know, what are your biggest challenges and, you know, what do you do? How do you keep going in the midst of those challenges? <laughs> challenges, 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 mama. Um, I think the first um, major one that I, I face all the time is people not understanding what the mission and the vision really is for the work that I do. I mean, accepting that we're not regular, yeah? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not a regular person. 
And so I don't expect to do regular things. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm extraordinary. I know that I've been called to do the extraordinary. And um, I would also carry them out in extraordinary ways. And the most important thing is to get extraordinary results. Mm. So the, the basic challenge that I get is people not understanding why. You know, my why. Why? Mm. Why, why do you have to help them? They don't want to go to school. So why do you want to stress yourself? Leave them alone. And that's for the, and that's for the destitutes, the, the children at the destitute home. And that's how they are. You know, they're, they, they're, they're usually begging. So leave them alone. Why do you have to go to their schools to check for them, to ensure that they go to school? Why do you have to help the women? You know, why do you have to waste the money that you don't have on their medical bills? So why do you also have to help the children in Satellite Town go to school for free? Why do you have to pay their medical bills? Why do you attend to their parents when they call you? So there's the challenge of people understanding what my mission is and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, our vision to ensure that for life, the lifelong effect of inclusion, the life of effect of continuously alleviating the suffering and cushioning and enhancing the integrity of these people so that they can fit into our norm. Yeah, mm. that's the idea. And then the second challenge, which I think most people go through is finance. Mm. So um, because our work is, is not... Like I say, our organization doesn't do regular things or, or, or you know, with the norm. So we have interventions that we need to attend to right now. It's, it's not a project where you say, okay, so this month we're, we're going to allocate 100,000 Naira to health emergencies. Okay, so there are over 3,000 people at the destitute home. Wow, 3,000 people? Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, ma'am. Over 3,000, 3,000 who are the residents at the destitute home in the Vitamata. And I mean, I've worked with them in the last four years. I'm basically the only person who has consistently, like almost every day, attended to their needs. So it started mm -hmm. with education, where, of course, that was my forte, where I, I started teaching the children, integrating them into schools. And then while we were on it, we realized that children were always falling sick. Of course, the home is extremely filthy. We've seen some pictures. So um, then we started taking them to the hospital. And you know what it is to take one child today. Tomorrow you're going to take another child. Yeah. Next week you're going to another child. And then somebody is saying, oh, you don't, you don't have to. That house people don't, they don't appreciate, they don't, you know, value their children. They're like that. Leave them, that's how they are. They're not going to learn. But you see, if they've been shut out of information for so long and that's their norm, it's going to take a while to also make them understand what your own norm is or integrate them mm -hmm. into your norm. So having to, medic, I just calculated some medical bills now for a year and I know the cost. So if you're dealing with over 3,000 people and you have to attend to a woman that's pregnant, the same day four children are ill, the same day somebody needs to be admitted. So sometimes we have them in like five different hospitals and there's no consistent funding. So even if you're soliciting for funds today and say, oh, sorry, I have somebody in the hospital. She needs to give birth to her baby. Caesarean section, 250,000. If we raise that, tomorrow there's another child that's sick. Wow. So the needs are constant and enormous. Constant. And the funds are not constant. And that's one project. Now we also have the refuse evacuation at the destitute home. Initially, you know, we pay 40,000 Naira every week. Hmm. And sometimes you have to evacuate waste twice a week because of the amount of donations that come there. 
That's the destiny home. Now we also have the project in Satellite Town that runs as an inclusive learning center. So we have staff salaries, we have um, electricity, we have overhead costs, sometimes we have miscellaneous expenses. Now in this center with, for the children. So we need foodstuff, yeah? And then because of the conditions in which they live, we also need to sometimes assist their parents with medical bills. I mean, these families earn less than a dollar a day. Mm, wow. So we also have to, I mean, they will call and say, mommy, you know she's your child. You know she's your child. I just want to tell you that she's your child. And you say, yes, I know she's my baby. Mommy, your baby is sick. You're not going to say, no, I don't have the money. That's mm. why I say we don't do regular things because we operate based on, on the part of empathy. A lot of people say, oh, they're using you. No. It's ensuring that human life is sustained. Right. It's not using you. So, so somebody says, you don't have the money, you can't kill yourself. Now, no, what would Jesus do? Mm. Even Jesus Christ, his, his, his coming was abused and he's still, you know, underrated despite the fact that he died for us. So, I mean, not everybody would appreciate it, but the most important thing is doing what is right. So funding is another major challenge and the two go together because people cannot understand your vision while you are telling them that this woman is in the hospital, I need to help her and then I need money. Why do you need to help her? Yeah. If, you, if you don't help her, then you can sleep. Right. So, the challenge of understanding what really our mission is and then challenge of consistent funding. Yeah. The third is, I mean, volunteers. We have had all types of volunteers. So people are like, oh, so why don't you do this the way people do it, the way people do it? Well, we had them fill forms, but it looks like, you know, the youths of these days are more um, concerned about having to enroll for one fellowship or the other. So they come on your project and then they're taking pictures because they want to apply for one fellowship or one scholarship mm. without, you know, caring for the impact of the work that they do. Mm. And like I usually tell them, because we're not a regular organization, we're not going to take advantage of the vulnerability of the population that we work with because we want to be commended or acknowledged. Yes, we right. need pictures for impact, but you're not going to see a child that is obviously hungry and you're giving the child a biscuit and you're smiling and taking a picture. Mm-hmm. you haven't done anything that, I mean this child is vulnerable already right so why do you want to you know glorify or gratify yourself for it so we have limited I mean our volunteering team we're like a family mm. so I mean we we the, the fewer the merrier kind of sometimes it can be tasking but we know that we're getting so much work done and the impact you know is is measurable um, four is people abusing the privilege, the challenge of, I mean, people abusing the privilege. We, we've had people, students that we had to pay their school fees and they, they, didn't, they didn't go to school anymore. Hmm. You know, up to tertiary, yeah, up to tertiary institution. And people say, oh, why do you do that? Or don't do that next time. Don't, don't help them again. I don't think that um, somebody's misbehavior should make another person lose their opportunity right. to a better life. So that's his shit and that's his book. I close the book, throw it on the shelf and open a book for another person because mm. everybody, like I always say, deserves equitable access. Yeah. So we're going to give everybody the opportunity and it's left for them to do, you know, what they want to do. But we learn. I mean, it's, it's a learning. Not everybody is bad. At least two, two or three out of 50. So, I mean, so those are our basic, basic challenges. Do I, so the challenge of do I get tired? No, do I get overwhelmed yes sometimes mm. sometimes i feel like oh 
<gasps> but thanks to you, and I think we had one session with you during the lockdown where I think we talked about the growth and the fixed mindset. Yes. That really helped a lot. So, so it managed, it, it was able to help me see that like, you're not, you're not more than getting overwhelmed. You're not so much a superwoman not to get overwhelmed. So yeah. this is a phase and you must live with it, but also focus. Don't yeah. lose target of what your vision is. Make sure that you come out of it when you brood, um, no, not even brood, just sink and soak, absorb it, and then move on immediately, mm-hmm. out of it quickly. So it helped a lot, Mama. And I think that it has also helped me to talk to a few of the youths that I, I mean, everybody is getting weighed down by um, what is going on around the world now. And some people don't understand it. I have somebody who's constantly reminding me of how he wants to kill himself or how he's tired. The last time I told him, I said, I'll kill yourself. I think I'm going to kill myself first. He was like, ah, mama, I own is too much. So that's to let you know that I'm also going through something. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a general, it's a general thing, but he's been able to come out of it. A lot of them have snapped out of it because mm-hmm. I mean, they need to realize that we're all going through, we're all going through it. Yeah. So those are, are the basic challenges. Nothing's so extra. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I mean, those are those are major challenges that it sounds like as you just keep stepping forward, you you somehow find a way. And I, I, what I just am amazed by is that you don't give up on people. You believe in continuing to offer a chance to the next person. Um, and and that's amazing. I, I um, I'm curious then. So there's got to be days, though, where you're exhausted Um you know, how do you care for yourself, right? Because this is, it sounds like this is something you're committed to for life, right? You know, as earth angels, we talk about in it for life, you know, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. So how do you ensure your own well-being um, so that you can keep serving all of these people that, that you're bringing along? A lot of people ask, so... I'd like to say that, first of all, is reorientating my, my mind, rehabilitating myself, and knowing that, look, you're not the Messiah, okay? Mm. First thing's first, you're not the Messiah. You do what you can. So mm-hmm. I, I usually tell people, while you can, when you can, mm. where you can. So that's what I say. Two, um, I'm very lucky. I have what hell of an over understanding husband who knows that this is okay. So I know that this is her calling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can do is to support her to shine. Mm-hmm. So when I come with all the challenges and grumbling and, and I'm, and I'm talking, I'm like, he just looking at me. And then I am blessed with two wonderful children mm-hmm. who I call my PA and my PM <laughs> who personal assistant and personal manager. So they literally do the, they play their roles. Yeah, and they're just, um, my daughter's going to be 13. My son wow. is going to be 12. But, but like I usually tell people, we're four adults in the house because they know, I mean, they know they know everything. I'm, I'm back. And as soon as I got in today, my daughter served me my, my food. So, you know, when mommy feels so overwhelmed, my husband would just say, give your mommy a glass of water. He knows I love carrot cakes. So when he started sensing, okay, something is going on, he would order, I mean, go and get plenty of those carrot cupcakes, the muffins. And then I, and then, I mean, um, I turn off my data, turn off my phone. Mm. 
I might not sleep because I'm not good at napping in the afternoons and, and I, I usually don't sleep sometimes. I think it's my energy. And I don't drink, oh, mama, I don't take alcohol, but I just, I just cannot shut down. But I know that I have to, you know, I, I, like I've been doing in the last two weeks, I haven't been to the destitute home because I know that I was beginning to get so overwhelmed. So I needed mm. to stay away. So yeah. I stepped back, draw. Yeah. I, people are sending me messages and I am at liberty. I went to respond. I try not to be under any form of pressure. Hmm. So my BP is good. My health, very good. Hmm. We work out. I work out with my children. We go for evening strolls. So even during the lockdown, we were working out a lot. So I know that it was such a way to boost, you know, endorphins and all of it. So I'm, I'm very good at working out. I, I work out. We, we go for walks. We laugh, we gist. Um, I don't watch TVs. So my daughter is watching and then she's telling me, we're in the same room, but she's my eyes. <laughs> and I'm just there, lying on the bed and looking at the screen. So I, I, I don't really have to leave my house to relax and you know let steam off, but I know what is good for me. And mm-hmm. so I just step back and withdraw. Sometimes it can be so, I mean, today I got a call, one of the children, at my center in Satellite Town is she's been having seizures with cerebral palsy mm-hmm. and she's not been coming. We have about four children at the destitute home who have been sick. We have some people who want to pay school fees. That alone is enough for me to sit and start hitting my head. But I'm like, look, so, you know, the guy who manages for me, the mommy, I've been sending you messages and you're not replying. I said, okay, so because I have too many things on my plate, mm-hmm. I'll reply you when I feel up to it. And that's because I replied him today after a week of him sending me messages. I, he's not going to beat me for not replying, which is what I've told myself. Yeah. It is my sanity, and I'm not, I'm not going to lose it for anything because, I mean, I need to ensure that I always have my oxygen mask on to help somebody right. else because if I lose it, then I can't help somebody. I need to be full mm-hmm. to be able to give out from what I have. Yeah. So initially I used to, it got so bad. I, I didn't even know how I was looking until I went to school and saw my supervisor. And that was because we had lost some children, 12 children mm, in, 12. in two months. 12, yes. And I, I, mama, it was bad. I'm sure it was one of those periods where you messaging me and I didn't reply. I, I knew that it was, I was losing it because I just couldn't understand why, you know, so many children would, you know, die. And, but I had to take a step back. I looked at myself one day in the mirror. I'm like, hell no, you can't be like this. I went to the spa, some facials, some body massage. Um, I don't take fizzy drinks, but I think I had two that day. Just did some irregular things that I wouldn't do normally just to feel again and bring myself back. Life must go on, which is what, which, which is what I did. So... Letting steam off, I've learned to. I must stay alive. Yeah. So I'm hearing that. Yeah. Finish business. So I'm glad that you have found strategies. Like it sounds like sometimes just disconnecting, spending time with your family, taking time to be with yourself, to process what's going on, to step away, to recharge, to take care of yourself. That's really powerful. I'm I'm glad you're finding those practices and using them because we need you. (laughs) We need you for a long time to be, (laughs) to be in this. (laughs) Okay. So let's shift gears. So 
you know, I know there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this. And, you know, I, I know that there are so, I assume that everybody on the planet is an earth angel. Some just don't know it yet. Maybe some, they have hearts that are breaking and they want to do something, but they don't, they don't know how to get started. Or maybe they're just doing some informal kind deeds here and there, but they want to take it to the next level. I would love to know what advice would you be giving to earth angels about, you know, how to really get into action? What would you tell them if they're hesitating or they're waiting to take it to that next level? Unapologetically, what would you say? First of all, I would say, um, excuse my English, but focus on your focus. Hmm. Face your focus. So there are too many things out there and you want to, you probably start, I mean, people usually, um, try to see what other people are doing and tune, you know, whatever they want to do their way. But sometimes it doesn't work because we're all called to do different things. So focus on what exactly is, is your mission or your um, passion. Focus on it. Two, there's no competition. Hmm. There's, there's literally no competition in this humanitarian space. The impact is what we're after to make sure that, you know, the participants or the recipients of the good deeds are fulfilled some way or you know get whatever it is that you have to offer three don't beat yourself mm. you can't you can't do it all i mean you can't you can't do it all a lot of people send me pictures or organizations getting grants you know ah you started nine years ago these people just started two years ago there's no competition Mm. because when you begin to struggle, yes, we, we all need the money because the money will make the work more, more uh, easier. Mm-hmm. But when you begin to struggle, you begin to do things that are not I mean, in God's plan for you. And then you begin to maybe doctor what you haven't done, you begin to feel some things and do things out of, out of what your calling is. And that alone can tarnish the mission that mm-hmm. you're on. It can, it can puncture the grace that we already have. So just focus on your focus. I mean, you help two people, it's enough. You help somebody smile in one week, mm. good enough. I mean, you sleep, your eyes close down. Because I do that all the time. I try to relieve my day. I'm, before I go to bed this night, I sleep and I'm like, so what have I done today? Okay, you know, I did this, I did this, I didn't do this right, oh. Lord, give me the strength and the grace to do it right next time. But I did this, I did this. If I did three over five things right, way to go. Yeah. You know, there's no pressure. Collaborate when you can. Mm. I mean, it's very important because indeed, we would go far together, not alone. We're not, this, we're not struggling for who's going to come first in this space now. Right. So there are angels, there are angels. Focus. Focus. I love do that. you be full? Yeah. And having Amazing advice. Wow. So thank you. This has been so um, energizing for me and so wonderful to get to know you again. Like every time we speak, I feel like I know you on another level. I wish that I could be there with you in person right now, of course, and hug your PM and your PA. <laughs> um, and so one thing that I want to ask is like, what do you consider if you were to say in a minute, 
your main area of expertise? Like, what are you a master of now from all these years of experience? What's that for you? Inclusion. Mm. Inclusion umbrella, okay? Subset, inclusive education, okay? Since I'm in the educational sector. So inclusion, that means inclusion, health inclusion, financial inclusion, and education as well. So, but inclusion. And inclusion in this aspect, that means not only for persons living with special needs, but everybody who falls under the community sphere. That means for those who have been excluded as a result of the gender, for those who have been excluded as a result of you know, their financial status, those who have been excluded as a result of their disability, those who have been excluded, you know, some way. I mean, I, I forgot to add that we've been able to secure some form of um, when I say permission to run a sick bay at a destitute home in collaboration with the local government um, health department. So we have a space and we have um, beds and stuff there. Mm. And I realized that it's because these people have not had access to equitable health care. Right. I've gone with them to the hospital a couple of times and there's so much stigma that they face because they're destitute so they're from the north. Mm. So if they keep facing that. Every, they wouldn't even be motivated to go to the hospital. So inclusion in its entirety, health, finance, education, mm-hmm. you know, and environment. Mm-hmm. They, they deserve to live in a clean environment. Now. They yeah. deserve it. I'm big on inclusion, Mama. I love it. It's a big one. It's a needed one, right? A more inclusive world um, is definitely a better place for all of us. Um, So I'm going to ask you some one sentence. I'd love a one sentence response or fill in the blank for me. Um, Your greatest hope for Nigeria is? Where we live together as one irrespective of tribe, culture, and religion and social background. Powerful. Okay, your one hope for humanity at large is? Everybody has a chance to leave and leave right. Amazing. So I'm gonna ask you to close with just a sentence or two of encouragement to those earth angels that are going to hear and see this. What are your couple sentences of encouragement to them? Here at Angels, be you, do what you can, while you can, when you can, where you can. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for taking the time to share your journey. Um, I, I just am so appreciative that there's someone like you on the planet. And um, yeah, thanks for being an unapologetic, inclusive, visionary humanitarian i'm adding a few words i'm putting a few of your words together <laughs> so great to spend this time with you thank you thank, thank you, you much. so much thank you thank you for joining us and listening to this podcast we hope that what you heard today has opened your heart a bit further and reminded you that you have the power to make a difference in your community Now is the moment to get started in doing more good in simple ways. Remember, every small act of kindness and love helps to transform and change our world. 
As you step forward and do your part, our world gets better. And this means that we rise together.